0: You're listening to Heart of the Hunter. Heart of the Hunter is a serialized swords and sorcery tale brought to you as part of the Coronai Chronicles series on the Bear's Grove Bardic Circle podcast. Heart of the Hunter is written, performed, and produced by Sam Chupp. Sam Chupp is a storyteller, game designer, podcaster, and author living in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information about Heart of the Hunter, check out bardcircle.bearsgrove.com And now, the story so far. Peter the Soldier, Aran the Gypsy, Raven the Sneak Thief, and Alibar the Shepherd and Healer have all been hired by the mercenary company known as the Hoskins Irregulars to open the road north to Irontown from Blackpool City by escorting a small caravan for an Arendani merchant group called the Prester Concern. The river road northward has fallen into disuse due to constant raids by nail tongues Tribes of somewhat barbaric and primitive warriors who speak a common trade tongue called Nail. Each of the mercenaries have their own reasons for wanting to be away from Blackpool City. Peter owes money to the syndicate called the Honorable Old Masters. Raven is hunted by a gang of Yakuza-style Chang'ean thugs called the Kwadong, And Aran is one step ahead of strange men with silver tree symbols on their cloaks who seem to be following him everywhere. Brother Alibar, the healer, seeks to bring word of the light to those who need it in Irontown. After solving a problem blocking the road northward, the caravan arrived at the Busy Bee, a Sidalian Inn on the riverside, only to find it abandoned and the corpses of the owners laid out in the yard. Now please enjoy Heart of the Hunter, Episode 3. bodies had been picked nearly clean by woodland scavengers, but it was clear how the two folk, Cydalian by stature, had died. Their wrists were still bound with rope. They'd been killed from behind with a dracon shot through the head. Arin looked away from the bodies as Raven cut them free. Poor bastards. They were killed as a symbol, I'm sure. A warning to future travelers north. Peter nodded. "'Yeah, the Nail don't want anyone coming into what they are saying is their territory. "'What is it that they call it?' "'Gaikul.' "'The land of fresh kills in their tongue. "'Yes, Sergeant. "'I think you're right,' Arn said, looking at the tree line, "'expecting to see a horde of Nail warriors bursting forth at any moment. "'I thought the Nail didn't use Drakon pistols. "'Something about the noise of the shot bothering their ears?' Raven said, bending to the place where the bodies had been. Look here. Here's the bullet that did one of the men. It's steel, not stone. Somebody had money to burn. Yes, actually, Alibar interrupted. It costs more to use steel bullets in a dracon. The metal must be enchanted to accept the charge. I doubt the nail, who are by all accounts fairly primitive, would know how to do that. "'Depends on whether the nail in question are in the wilderness or in the butcher's block downtown,' Raven said. "'You think the masters had something to do with this?' Peter asked. "'Why would they bother to kill some sidealls? shut down their inn? "'I thought they were all about business.' "'Here and how,' Jogan said, emerging from the caravan wagon and ambling over to the scene. "'What's the meaning of this?' "'Inns closed, Master Factor. Sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings.' Peter said, Raven, you search the place, A help Alibar, Dav, and Garb dig a proper burial for these folks. They deserve better than that. I'll keep watch. Why can't I keep watch, Sergeant after all? because I said so. Do we need to get into this soldier Peter said, mm, uh, very well, then, I Sergeant Aaronaron said, making a courtesy. Excuse me, is it economically feasible for us to be spending time burying these folks? Why not let... These folks are likely Davengar's relatives, Factor. Do you want to tell them that they have to leave their bodies where those jackals left them? Uh, As to that, uh, I, uh... Well, no. I didn't think so. Now why don't you get back to your paperwork, and I'll let you know when dinner's ready. What? Oh, yes, uh... "'Of course. Thank you, Sergeant.' "'No problem,' Peter said through clenched teeth." The place is an absolute mess inside. I couldn't find much of value that we could carry, but you can damn well bet it's not just the nail we've been in here. I can tell that a band of men broke into the wine cellar and had at it. There's trash aplenty everywhere. Raven reported as she came to the campfire they'd made. The spring sun had long since settled below the tree line, and cool evening breezes were flying off the river, carrying the smoke from the campfire back towards the city. The Sidalians were apparently mourning their fallen countrymen with a first-day-on-the-road feast. The Teamsters had demonstrated skill with a roasting spit by roasting the haunch of venison they'd bought from the Blackpool market the day before, and their skill with a camp oven as they baked fresh sidle rolls from ingredients in their larder. The mercenaries had been on watch, looking for Nail and anyone else who might decide to try and join their fire without welcome. Peter handed Raven a steel camp trencher laden with food. "'Best eat up. This stuff won't last too long,' Peter said. "'This is more food than I eat in a week,' Raven said, but didn't hand the trencher back. Alivar looked up, concerned, but Raven didn't notice. "'Pity about the wine,' Aaron said, looking fondly back at the front door of the inn. Jorgen cleared his voice and spoke up. <clears throat> "'Our focus here is opening the road.' We can't afford to, to be distracted. I've already sent a dispatch via letterbox back to the concern about the inn. Tomorrow, we'll continue north along the road. Peter finished a bite and swallowed some of the Cydalian cider the Teamsters had brought out. Yeah, okay, Jurgen, but here's the thing. Seems as though we're dealing with two separate threats here. Nail tongues don't go much in for wine. They're more of a Arandani whiskey kind of people, if anything. So we're talking about so-called civilized folk here as well. Bandits, Peter said. Mad Jack, Arun said simply. You think? (laughs) I thought Jojo Dogface took him out, Raven said between mouthfuls of sidle roll. Arran turned back to the impression left by the two sidelian bodies in the courtyard. Focusing on the light between the shadows of the campfire, he stared into the middle distance. Soon an image came to him. A man, covered in tattoos, bald, with a black and silver scabbard at his hip, formed in his view. A group of mad-eyed men stood around him, and the image started to move. He saw them laughing and toying with their prey. They had taken the female of the two off to have their rapacious way with her. The killing had been a mercy in comparison to what they did to her and what they made him watch. Arran almost couldn't look away. Mad Jack, without fail, Aaron said, handing his trencher to Gar, who took it with wide-eyed but hungry acceptance. I find myself no longer hungry. With respect, fellow travelers, I'll be in my tent. Call me when it's my watch. What got into him? Peter asked. And Raven shrugged. Chan changed his Changi and Taj coin for Blackpool Mayorals on the street of the three ponds. The trading tokens had become the standard coin up and down the river, and Chan knew that he would need them to obtain what he sought. Spreading the coin around in places like the Trolls Club Tavern and the Black Worm Flophouse in the Butcher's Block that afternoon was sufficient to get the information he sought. Not long after. T-Chan was outside the city, standing in front of a bald, tattooed man with a wild look in his eye, surrounded by similar drunken, half-mad hooligans. What you want, Chengaman? There's a girl. A little thing, really. Surely easy enough for one such as you to catch. She'll be traveling up the river road with her caravan right about now. That ain't happenin', I know for true. Mama Ulin wouldn't have it. Well, that's as may be, but... I happen to know she left Blackpool in a caravan early this morning. What you want her for? Fancy Chang'e like you could have any girl he want. Why for? She has something I need. Nothing by itself, mind you. But important to the Jade Lords. I'm willing to pay for her, alive and kicking, and if nothing else, I'm willing to pay a great deal for a cameo, a little porcelain bauble she carries. What's more, I'll pay a little up front, just for earnest money. Tichon tossed a small bag of mayorals to the leader. He inspected them, took two and struck them together. They rang like a bell. <laughs> they be real coin, yeah. Mad Jack likes being earnest, doesn't he, Frick? Sure does, boss, sure does, Frick answered. Jack turned back to Chon. All right then, Mr. Chugman. How do we get it back to you? Mad Jack don't come too near town, you know. How do we let you know we got what you want? This is a ring of discretion. I'll let you speak directly to me. I trust you won't let it fall into the wrong hands, right? Oh, aye, it'll be safe as houses. Here, Frick, string that through your nose ring. It'll be safe there. Contact me through the ring when you have the girl, or the cameo, or both. She's no use to me dead, though, and she needs to be able to talk when I get her. Otherwise, you may take your leisure with her. Oh, aye, Mr. Jangaman. We'll do as you say, or we won't. <laughs> Depends on the moon, don't it, Frick? Yeah, boss, the moon. <laughs> Very well. Now I'll be leaving you. And what makes you think we'll be allowing you that? You might go back to your fancy friends, come back to our camp and cut us all to shreds. That'd hardly be good for business, don't you think, Mr. Jack? I think we've come to an understanding. Now let me be, and I'll take your leave. One of Jack's men stood in front of Chan, grinning, his arms crossed. I don't think Bertram there wants to let you go, son. Chan moved so quickly that his arms were a blur. There was a sick, snapping noise, and suddenly Bertram was on the ground, writhing in pain, holding his arm and baying. Good Eve, Mr. Jack, Chan said bowing to him your man's arm was cleanly broken it should heal with the proper treatment i don't maim unless it's my intention yeah thanks uh we'll uh we'll be in touch very good mr jack very good mm-hmm. It was Raven who took first watch, and Alabar relieved her for second. The two people in the squad who needed the most uninterrupted sleep, Sergeant had said, the healer and the scout. So, you know how to keep watch, Preacher, Raven asked as she secured her sleeping hammock in the nearby tree. I've been watching flocks of sheep for attacks by wolves since before I was old enough to walk. This isn't much different to my mind, Alabar said, looking around the courtyard of the ruined inn. Raven nodded. Yeah, just don't try and run the wolf off on your own. Wake us. That's your job. Look, I know you're not much of a warrior. Alibar grinned ruefully. That's for certain, but I did learn the rudiments of personal protection in the Abbey, although we don't carry much in the way of weapons. Raven tapped at his shepherd's crook. That stick you carry will do in a fight. I don't like to carry much in the way of visible weapons, either. I noticed. I was wondering about that, Alibar said. Raven grinned. Used to seeing street rats with racks of daggers, brother. Can't move very well with that much weight. And if you're slow on the street, you're dead. So how do you... Raven showed him the tattoo on her forearm. This is why my leathers leave my arms bare. The tattoo was of cats and origin. "'the swirls and slashes of ink indicative of that people's glyphs. "'What is that?' Alabar peered. "'Although the firelight had diminished, the moonlight hadn't. "'The moon had made its way up from the horizon "'and now shone its lambent glow on everything. "'It's a spirit tattoo. Genza's sister is Kishara, a shaman of her people. "'Named Snenta. "'She stitched it on me. Here, watch.' Raven's hand of one arm touched her other forearm, covering the tattoo briefly. When she held up her hand, she held a single dagger. Alabar saw a distinctive silver carving of a raven's head on the pommel. Got this custom-made, Preacher? Balanced, sharp as a pretty boy's tongue, and just as sweet. She offered it t- to him to inspect. "'Is it... is it bound to you?' Alabar asked, his eyes large, he did not reach out to accept the proffered blade. "'Yep, watch,' Raven said, and threw the blade off into the darkness, where it planted itself on a rotting fence post. Hearing it hit, she touched her forearm tattoo again, and the blade reappeared in her hand. There was no flash or sound, it just faded into being from nothing. "'Fascinating,' Albar said, intrigued. "'Expensive!' "'I still owe Ninta for the last tattoo she did for me. "'With these, you've got to have a dagger special made. "'Should be the best you can get because it's going to be with you forever. "'It's not cheap, Preacher. "'But that's why I don't go around visibly armed.' "'I don't need to,' Raven said. Alibar nodded. I'd, "'I'd read about the process in a tome, but have never seen it. "'Thank you, Raven.' "'Raven grinned. "'You sure are a strange Aelor, brother.' Raven said, releasing the blade It vanished without sound or flash Why do you say that? Alibar asked Most would be trying to save my soul by now Elorians hate magic It's well known, Raven said Alibar nodded Seems to me we have enough work Trying to stay alive this trip Besides, my order was somewhat Fuzzy on the issue of magic Conflicted, you might say Raven looked into Alibar's eyes for a moment, then nodded. I see, well, that's a relief. I mean, between a Woonjo and an Aelor, I thought I was going to have to really watch my back. It's good to know that's not the case. Alibar turned to look away, already on watch. We all agreed to Peter's oath of the road. That's good enough for me. Raven grinned and scoffed. Yeah, well, I ain't necessarily one for taking things on faith. Alibar nodded. I understand. Raven yawned and stretched. Good eve, Preacher. Safe watch to you. Arns up after you. May the light protect your dreams, Alibar said. Yeah, uh, thanks, Raven said. Climbing up into her tree, she curled up in her mesh hammock and was quickly asleep. Said, and knelt in front of the joe man's tent. Are you awake? He eased the tent flap back gently, not wanting to startle him. Ay, shepherd, I am. I'm afraid I'd, I've not slept well. Join me in some tea. Alibar poked his head inside of arn's tent. It was made of a patchwork of fine, heavy velvet and brocade, sewn together with fancy embroidered edges. Instead of the dust of the road, the primary scent was of some kind of exotic incense or oil, earthy and musky. There was a small brass lantern with a warm orange mage light glowing within, shedding light on a rather sumptuous nest of fluffy pillows made of rich fabrics. "'How is it that you have tea at this hour? The campfire's out here?' Alabar said. "'If you're offering, though, I'll take some. It's chilly this night.' This little brass teapot, shepherd. Magic, you know. Heats the water to the perfect temperature. A gift from my aunt. Twas said that she won it in a contest with the dragon. Aron smiled and took a second teacup from the mahogany tea trunk. The tea, on the other hand, that is from Chang. White tea from the Murr River Valley. Where did you get all this stuff? And where's your rucksack?' the shepherd said, smiling. My tent is my rucksack. I just unfolded a bit, and there it is. It's, uh, shall we say, a bit larger on the inside than it is on the out. Another heirloom from my auntie. Won it in a game of paca cards from a half-drunk wizard. The shepherd nodded and sat, cross-legged, just inside the tent, and watched while Arran poured a cup of tea for him. Alibar indicated the mandolin next to the gypsy. Do you play? Aye, I do. Just not too loudly while everybody else is trying to sleep. Why do you ask, Shepherd? Back at the Abbey, "'Twas said that you can tell a lot about a person by the way they spend their time,' Alabar said, taking a sip of the steaming hot tea. "'Indeed. And what did you do to spend time, brother?' Aron said, sipping his tea and detuning his mandolin to put it back in its case. The light in the rear of the tent illuminated a, wa- a weapons rack, a valise and several other cases that seemed to hold everything from a wine rack to jars of preserved food. Alabar sipped his tea again. Mostly watched sheep and read. It was a simple time. I was happiest then. Alabar sighed. Aran nodded and stood up, stretching as he strapped on his boots one by one at the opening of the tent. May I ask then, why did you leave it at all? Leave it for a life on the road, never knowing where you might lay your head. Albar nodded. I left because I needed to leave. The light drives us forth from our comfortable places, but only to teach us that wherever there is light, there is home. That sounds like a wound, Joe Proper brother. Are you certain you don't have some of the blood of the Velisti in you? Aron grinned. Mayhaps one never knows. Isn't it true that they believe themselves to be the first ones, the clan and family that we all came from? Aye, you're well informed, Shepherd. but... Sss, silence, brother. There's, with a quick and deadly snap, the nasty black arrow flew straight and true in the waning moonlight. You've been listening to Heart of the Hunter, a Coronai Chronicles story on the Bear's Grove Bardic Circle Podcast. The Bears Grove Bardic Circle is brought to you by the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts. Fireheart Foundry also produces the Bears Grove, Dragon Ken, the podcast for kids and gaming, the Square One podcast, and Vibrant Living. Find out more about Fireheart Foundry at com. This podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives No Commercial Use License 2.5 Music Today was provided by the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com The songs were Dignity by Green Druid Krakatoa by Clouseau Crossroads Mind Mixing and Fangordon the Forest by Lindner. Midnight Wednesday by Dave Howard. Links to these songs and their creators will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Bears Grove Party Circle, and hope you come back to our fire very soon.